This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Well, we're continuing our sermon series called Hope in the Darkness, and we've been looking at the resurrection appearances. These are historical events uh, that happened 2,000 years ago, and we'll be focusing on what John describes in chapter 20, beginning at verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried in a, out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for gathering us here to hear your word. We pray, Lord Jesus, that that you would give us peace and that you would give us hope. Send us your Holy Spirit so that we would understand your word. Give us eyes to see and hearts to believe. And don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of your work. In your name we pray. Amen. If you don't have hope in the future, you will cling to the past. If you don't have hope in the future, you will get stuck in the past. Charles Dickens famous novel, Great Expectations, tells the story of a woman named Miss Havishim. And Miss Havishim is looking forward to her wedding day. And on the the day of her, her wedding day, she's got a wedding breakfast out on the table. She's got a wedding cake on the table. She's wearing her wedding dress. And she's about to put on her second wedding shoe. And she gets this note. That Kampi's son, her fiancé, is not showing up. He's standing her up. He doesn't want anything to do with her. In that moment, she is so overwhelmed with grief that she has no hope in the future, and so she gets stuck in the past. She wants to freeze time, and so that's literally what she does. She sets all of her clocks in her house to 840 And they stay there the moment before she got that bad news. 
She wears the wedding dress for the rest of her life and she never puts on that second shoe. She hopes somehow if she could just cling to the past, she can hold on to her hope. Now, it's kind of a bizarre story that Charles Dickens is telling, but we can all relate. I know that, that I have felt grief and loss and pain, and in that moment, you have this feeling, I'm never going to be happy again. I'm always going to feel like this. And so the only hope that I have is to cling to the past, is to hold on to the past, is to get stuck in the past. This last couple of years has been a series of grief and loss for all of us. Some of you were were looking forward to, you had great expectations of your senior year in high school. You were looking forward to the homecoming game and the homecoming dance and prom, and you were looking forward to the graduation ceremony, and none of that happened the way you had expected. And so you were grieving that loss of those events. Some of you were looking forward to starting a brand new job. But because of the pandemic, your company had to restructure. And now you're working in a job that that you don't like. You had this great expectations for for that job. and, And now you maybe don't have a job at all. Some of you had great expectations for a relationship. But as the stress continued in the pandemic, that relationship ruptured. And you don't see any hope in your future. And so you get stuck in the past. And maybe tragically this last year, you've lost a loved one. I know many of us have lost loved ones. And you don't think you're going to be happy again. And so you get stuck in the past. We know that actually it doesn't work to hold on to the past, to get stuck in the past, to try to freeze time. And it didn't work in Charles Dickens' novel either. Over time, Miss Havishim's wedding dress that was white started to turn yellow, and so did her insides. She became bitter and vengeful and vindictive, and she poured out all of her anger on everybody else. And that's what will happen to us. If we have no hope in the future and we cling to the past, we will pour out all of our sadness and despair and anger on all those around us. As I mentioned, we're continuing this sermon series called Hope in the Darkness. We're looking at the resurrection appearances of Jesus, and this is history, as as much history as anything else. And the question I want to answer in this sermon is this. How can we have hope in our future no matter what has happened to us in the past? How can we have hope in our future no matter what? has happened to us in the past? And to answer that question, we're going to go back to John chapter 20. And let me give you a little background. This is Sunday morning after Jesus' crucifixion, which took place on Friday. And so Jesus and his followers, they had just watched Jesus get crucified on a Roman cross, one of the most excruciating, in fact, that word excruciating comes from the word crucifixion. It was so awful, they had to make up a word, excruciating. And he was stretched out on that cross and all life was being sucked out of him until finally he gave up his spirit, it says. But to make sure that he was dead, a soldier, a Roman soldier, who was a professional in making sure 
that those that they crucified were dead, stuck a spear up his side through his heart to, to rip it in two to make sure that, that he was dead. And so they took him off that cross. And a man named Joseph of Arimathea, another historical person, took Jesus' body, his cadaver, his corpse, and they placed it in his tomb. And because they were all faithful Jewish followers... As it got into Friday night, that's when the Sabbath started. And so they all went to their homes and they, they didn't go back to the tomb until Sunday morning, the first time that they could do any kind of work. So early on the morning, on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. And as she's going up to the tomb, she sees that the stone had been very large, had been rolled away. And as she got closer, the tomb was empty. And she's overwhelmed with grief. And so she goes running to Peter and John, some of Jesus' closest followers who go running out to see what, what happened. And when they get to the tomb, they see something that they weren't expecting. They look inside and the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus was folded up like somebody who had gone out from a long night's rest and made their bed. So Peter and John, they, they left, but Mary stood there at the tomb and that's where our reading picks up the story. Verse 11 says this, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Like Miss Havi Shim from, from Great Expectations, she was trying to hold on to that moment. Her, her feet were, were solid in the cement. They, were just, they weren't going to move. She wanted to hold on to this moment. As she was crying. And it makes perfect sense as we know the background to the story of Mary Magdalene. If you want to know the background to the relationship that Mary Magdalene had with Jesus, you can go to Luke chapter 8. And in Luke chapter 8, we hear that, that at one time, Mary Magdalene had been possessed by seven demons. She had been tortured mentally and spiritually, but Jesus drove out those demons and she was in her right mind. And then because of this event that took place in her life, she decided to be totally devoted to Jesus. In fact, Mary Magdalene, we read about this in Luke 8, Mary Magdalene, along with a few other women, supported Jesus' ministry from their own funds. That's how Jesus did his ministry. And so they had a very close relationship. And so Mary Magdalene had all of these great expectations of what else she was going to learn from Jesus, how long she was going to be with Jesus, and now that was all gone. He was dead, and she couldn't even cling to his corpse. She had no hope in the future, so she was clinging to the past. John goes on to explain this. He says, As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. Now, now, angels don't pop up all the time throughout history, and they don't even pop up all the time in Scripture. They, they, they pop up a few select times, one at Jesus' birth, we hear about angels appearing, but then another significant event at Jesus' resurrection here. So the angels are there, but, but Mary is so overwhelmed by grief and despair, she can't even see the angels that are in front of her. She doesn't even recognize who they are or why they're there. 
And yet they ask her, woman, why are you crying? And it seems like a completely insensitive question. You don't ask somebody at a funeral, why are you crying? Unless you're not supposed to be at a funeral. She had all sorts of reasons to be crying. She should be crying because she lost her teacher and her friend, the man who who changed her life, and now they can't find the body. And so this is what she says. They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. Seems like she was thinking, the body must have been robbed and I don't know where it is. I'm looking for it. I want, I want to cling to it. I want to carry it. I want to be with the body of Jesus. John goes on, verse 14. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Now, this might seem strange that that she couldn't see Jesus right in front of her. But you know what that feels like to be so overwhelmed by grief and despair. This feeling, this overwhelming feeling that you're always going to be sad. You're always going to be in despair. And so you can't even see when Jesus is in front of you. She had no hope in the future. And so she couldn't even recognize when Jesus was standing in front of her. And so he asked her some similar questions. Jesus asked, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? In any other circumstance, this would be a bizarre question, but Jesus is trying to slowly get her attention, get her to think, get her to see reality. And Mary responds, she, it says, thinking she was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him and I will get him. In her grief, Mary becomes almost illogical and that's what happens, right? She she thinks that maybe the gardener had moved his body and so somewhere you have, I don't know, a 180 pound body lying somewhere and, and she wants to go find this body and pick up this body, this corpse, this cadaver and carry it around and, and for how long or, or what is that going to do or where are you going to carry this body? What are you going to do with this body? But, but she wants to find the body and cling to the body because if you have no hope in the future, you will cling and hold on to the past. And we get that. Because when you feel like I am always going to be sad, nothing is ever going to make this better, you hold on to even the painful moments. Because even if you can feel some pain, at least you still have it. At least you have still have those memories. At least you have the people connected with those emotions. You can just keep going back there. But the problem is, is that the harder we hold on to the past, it kind of... It's kind of like trying to hold on to jello. It, it kind of seeps through our fingers and makes us filled with despair and sadness and no hope for the future. But then, the resurrected Jesus said to her, Mary. And only one person said her name like that. Only one person spoke to her like that. And she finally realized that was Jesus. It wasn't a ghost. 
It wasn't a, a mirage. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a hallucination. In front of her was the living, breathing, heart beating, brain waves firing, living Jesus. He was dead and he was resurrected, transformed in the body. He had come back from the dead. And so she does what probably all of us would have done. She wraps her arms around him and she clings to him. She lost him once. She's not going to lose him again. She holds on to him. And so Jesus tells her, don't hold on to me. Don't hold on to me. Well, why not? Why, why couldn't he hold on to her? Why couldn't he hold on to her? Why couldn't she, she be there? She lost him once. Why, why couldn't she just have this moment and, and not let it go and, and just cling to this moment forever? Because Jesus explained, he said, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. You see, there was still more work. Still more work to do. There was still a mission to accomplish. Jesus says, I have not yet ascended to the Father. When you understand ascended, don't think about Jesus getting in some spaceship and flying to some distant other universe called heaven. That's not how the Bible talks about it. The Bible says when Jesus ascended to heaven, he took up a different role as the king at the right hand of the father. And you could say in God's control room where he rules over all things for the good of the church. And one day he will return. One day he will return and he's going to put all things back the way they're supposed to be. That's behind that word shalom, Pastor Bill talked about that a few weeks ago. Shalom is this whole idea of wholeness, of putting things back the way they're supposed to be. And that's what the angel said when he ascended. The same way Jesus ascended, he will come back again. And so Mary's best days were ahead of him. She wasn't going to lose him. She hadn't lost him. He was right there. And even as he would take up his role as king, ascended Lord, he would still be with her forever. And he was going to come back again to resurrect her and resurrect all things and make all things new. And so she didn't need to get stuck in the past. She didn't need to stay there by the tomb. She didn't need to hold on to Jesus. No, Jesus said, now go. He said, go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Jesus had paid for all of their sins. Jesus had won the victory. And so now God is their God and our God. And and the father is our father. We are one with Jesus through his work, through his life and death and resurrection. And he's coming back again. So what are all the implications for this? Well, one of the implications is it totally changes how we look at the future. If Jesus really rose from the dead, if he he really died and rose from the dead, then everything's going to be okay. Then the same thing that happened to Mary is going to happen to us. You know, we want to look back and, and hold on to the past and hold on to the things that we lost, but everything that we lost is going to be resurrected. Our bodies are going to be resurrected. Our world is going to be resurrected. 
And so we have a happy ending going forward. The same God who created this world is going to do it again, and he's going to put everything back together. Everything that's been lost is going to be found. Everything that's broken is going to be mended. Everything that is sad is going to come untrue. And so when Jesus looks forward to his second coming, he doesn't call it at the end of all things or the destruction of all things or the pain of all things or the judgment of all things. The way he thinks about his coming, he says, at the renewal of all things. When I come back, I'm going to make all things new. So that changes everything for us. That helps us answer our question. We start out with it. Our opening question was, how can we have hope in our future no matter what has happened to us in the past? How can we have hope in the future no matter what has happened in the past? Well, here's how. What has been lost in the past will meet us in the future. What has been lost in the past will meet us in the future. That's what happened to Mary. She thought she lost Jesus. He was dead. He was gone. She was looking for a a, a body. She wanted to cling to the past. But what she didn't know is behind him, there was Jesus. He was meeting her in the future. And that's the power of Easter. That's the power of the resurrection. It's not just that he died on the cross to pay for our sins. That's good news enough. But everything that we've lost in the past, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, all of those people, all of those things that we've lost in the past, in Christ, they will meet us again in the future on the day of the great resurrection. And so that changes how we deal with grief. That changes how we look at grief. Now, now grief is a very personal thing. Grief is a very difficult thing to talk about. A few months ago when I was teaching the class on emotionally healthy Christianity here, I I talked to a dear friend of mine. Her name is Becky. And Becky has been through incredible tragedy in her life. She lost her dear husband when he was 40. He, He died one day. And her whole world changed. But not only that, but she's also a trauma specialist. And, and so every day she deals with grief and loss and trauma, every single day. And so I asked her, I said, Becky, I'm teaching this class. I'll be ministering to God's people. How should I talk to them about grief and loss? And she said this. She said, make sure you let them know that grief is one of the most personal processes or personal experience that anyone will go through. No two people go through it in the same way. So everybody's going to grieve in their own way and they're going to have their own timetable. Somebody, it's going to take them one year to go through the grieving process. Somebody's going to take a decade or for 30 years. Somebody's going to feel like they're over it all and then it all comes back again. Everybody goes through grief in their own way. And yet because of the resurrection of Jesus, we do grieve differently. We don't let our grief turn into despair. That's what Paul said to the Thessalonians. He said, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. So grieve, lament, it's okay. You can pound on God's chest. He's big enough. He can handle it. 
You can cry out to him. Grieve, but don't grieve like people who have no hope. Because Jesus rose from the dead and what happened to Jesus is going to happen to you and me and the rest of the world. Everything that's been lost in the past will meet us again in the future. And so here's the takeaway. Here's what this story means, this historical account. You have permission to let go of the past and look forward to the future. You have permission to let go of the past and look forward to the future. Now, I know that's really hard because we think, well, if I let go of the past, well, then it didn't, it didn't exist. I'm not going to dishonor all those people I love and, and all those things, but not if you're going to see them again in the future. Not if your past is going to meet you again in the future. It's still really hard. I was dealing with this and I, I just couldn't get over some things that I was grieving. I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. It kept on popping up. So I, I went and saw a Christian counselor and we weren't getting anywhere. It was still popping up, was still struggling. So he had me do this exercise. He said, Ben, I want you to, I want you to imagine you're walking out onto a soccer field. And I want you to picture the soccer field. And on the soccer field are are a few soccer balls. And as you get close to these soccer balls, you pick one up. And on there is that thing that you're grieving, that you don't want to let go of. It's that people, those places, those events. And he said, I want you to grab that soccer ball. I want you to look at it. I want you to see it. I want you to thank God for it. And then I want you to kick it. I want you to kick it as hard as you can. And I did. And I just started weeping because I didn't realize how deep some of that grief was. I didn't realize how much I was still holding on to. And I didn't realize that I had this thought in my head. As long as I keep going back there, I still can hold on to the past. And I just kept on holding on to the past, thinking that if I held on the past, I could still experience it. But when I kicked that soccer ball, I wasn't dishonoring my past. I knew that because of the resurrection, all those things I had experienced were again going to meet me again in the future. And because Jesus' resurrection happened, I want to encourage you to think about doing something similar yourself. I want you to imagine, if you would, you can close your eyes if this would be helpful. Imagine walking onto that soccer field. Imagine walking on that soccer field and you see all these soccer balls and you pick one up and there's that, that person, that event, that thing that, that, that was so precious to you to pick that up and to thank God for it. To honor God with what he gave you and, and thank him for that. And maybe you're not ready to kick the soccer ball yet. Maybe you're not ready to throw it, but maybe you could at least drop it and give it back to God. Because whatever you lost, whatever was good from God that you lost, it will meet you again in the future. Everything that is evil and wicked and everything that, that, that hurts you 
Well, Jesus promises to wipe all those tears from your eyes and those things will be buried in the tomb, never to be brought out again. But every good and perfect gift that you lost in the past will meet you again in the future because of the resurrection of Jesus. You have permission to let go of the past because of the resurrection of Jesus and what is going to meet you in the future. I think I understand why Charles Dickens wrote that book, Great Expectations. He wanted to warn us from from having too high of expectations of things of this world, that that he didn't want us to put all of our hope in, in things like money or success or status or even relationships because all those things could be taken from us. And that's a good message. That's a message that we read in the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and so great expectations is, is not a bad, it's a, it's a good story. It, it tells us something true. But when it comes to the story of Miss Havishim, the woman who, who lost her fiance or who, who got stood up, I wonder what that story would look like in view of the gospel, in view of the resurrection. I wonder if instead of of living the rest of her days in that wedding dress, thinking about that letter she received, I wonder if she would have gotten a different letter, a letter that that came from God that said, go buy a new wedding dress and put on both of your shoes and let the clocks roll because I'm coming back for you and I want to be with you and your best days are yet to come. And everything that has been broken is going to be put together and everything that's been lost is going to be found. And everything that is sad is going to come untrue. And so I know we want to hold on to the past in despair because we think that the only way to hold on to hope is to hold on to the things that are behind us. But you have permission to let go of the past because of the resurrection of Jesus and because your best days are yet to come. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are all going through a series of grief and loss. We've said goodbye to so many things that we love. And so now, Lord Jesus, give us a heart to believe by faith that every good gift that you gave us that has been lost will be found. That everything that's been broken, Lord Jesus, you are going to put back together again. That everything that is sad is going to come untrue. Lord Jesus, lead us to move. Lead us to go. Lead us again to have hope in the future. Lead us to to have hope that we're not going to feel this way forever. That you're coming back again. And you're going to resurrect us in all things. And so now we can serve you with joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.